Got it. All right. Uh, Matthew chapter 9. Are you there? Um, all right. <laughs> okay, verses 35 through 38. 35 through 38. Then Jesus went about all the cities and teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. How many of you have heard a soul-winning message preached from this passage? Just about everybody. I'm guessing maybe more than once. Yeah, me too. And um, years ago, the first couple of these that I heard, when the preacher was finished, I was, uh, I was left wondering. Verse 38, uh, the Lord says, Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And I was left wondering, how do I get into the harvest? How do I do this? Maybe on the way out of the church I should grab a fistful of tracts from the track rack and maybe go up to the corner of East Henrietta Road here and maybe I should stand there. And I, thought, I don't know. Um, a lot of people will do one of these around me to avoid me. They, they don't know who I am. And, and if some people do take them, maybe it's just to be courteous. And, or, and, and even people that are halfway interested, they just take it and keep walking and I won't get to talk to them. And, Plus, I don't feel like, what am I going to do in the winter, the kind of winter we've had this year? And, um, so uh, I just couldn't figure it out as to what I was supposed to. How do I get into the harvest? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, well, how do we get in there? Well, we do it naturally uh, as God guides us in our, in our daily lives. Now, I'm certain that all of you here today are content that you're in God's will living in the Rochester area. Can I assume that, 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 you're, that this is where God wants you? All right, so then that's natural. And it's natural for you to be here. And whether you're a stay-at-home mom or whether you're retired or whether you're working, uh, I assume that, that you're content that that's where God wants you to be. Amen? All right. If not, you're excused. Go where he, go where he wants you to, to be and, and uh, find out where that is. But I'm sure you're all content. Um, now, in our daily comings and goings, in addition to our, our home with maybe, you know, the neighbors on each side of us and uh, our workplace, going to the grocery store, uh, Walmart, of course, can't leave Walmart out. And uh, that those are your natural comings and goings. And that's where the harvest field is. Because God knows ahead of time where you're going to be. At work, he has you in a relationship with your associates at work. And uh, he has you talking over the fence with your neighbor uh, next door to you, uh, wherever that may be. 
That's where he has you, and you need to be content in that, and you need to be looking for opportunities, because that's where it's natural, where God has you. He doesn't want to be sending, he's not normally going to be sending you way out of your way uh, to someplace else. Now, occasionally that, that can happen, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But the norm, that's not the norm. We have our routine every Monday through Friday and Saturday we're doing something. I mean, we just have our routine, and it's natural. Now, um, Ben's going to put Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20 up on the screen. And, th and that passage says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now, that little word go that that begins with in the original language carries with it the idea of while you are going. And you may have heard that before, but it's worth repeating in case you haven't. While you are going. And look at verse 35, the first three words in our text. Then Jesus went. Jesus went. All you have to do is observe Jesus' ministry, the Apostle Paul's ministry, Peter's ministry. And uh, you'll see that it was just natural wherever God was sending them. Um, now, um, so Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Now, uh, as we go... I'm going to list, and, uh, it, and I hope you can get a pencil or pen handy and maybe on the back of your bulletin write these eight qualifications down. Uh, you're aware that there are qualifications for pastors and deacons, and we find that in 1 Timothy chapter 3. But I don't know if you know that there are qualifications for being a soul winner. And I have eight of them for you. And... Um, if you just want to jot them, there, there's, there are only a couple. We'll number them, and there's only a couple of words to each one, so it's not a lot of writing. Uh, so on the back of your bulletin, if you don't have a bulletin, wait till you see your neighbor looking out the window and just snatch it, you know. <laughs> and uh, so um, um, we're, going to, we're going to be examining these, um, these eight and paying attention to these eight qualifications, and we just hit the first one, compassion. Now, you know, it's hard for us to have compassion when we go to Wegmans and we pull in the parking, our, our parking slot, and the cars on either side of us oftentimes are better cars than we've got. And the people who get out, you see them get out, they're well-dressed, and they, they seem happy, and they're going about their business. And, you know, we're affluent here in this country. I don't know how long that's going to last, but it, it's still here. We're affluent. Uh, they live in homes. A lot of them live in homes that are nicer than ours. And it's hard to get compassion for people that way. But we have to stop looking on the outward and start thinking about the heart. And these people are lost. Now, uh, I don't know when the last time you may have read Psalm 73, but it's a psalm of Asaph. And if you recall, Asaph's steps had nearly slipped, it says there, because he became envious of the prosperity of the wicked. And then in the end, near the end of that psalm, of, of that particular psalm, God reminds him of their end if they don't come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Judgment day is coming. So we need to have that in mind. And if we have that in mind, compassion, we can have compassion. 
But I understand it's difficult. But we have to conjure that up. We have to have compassion for people. Um, so that's, uh, that's qualification number one. Without that, the other seven are, are of no use. If we don't have compassion for the lost, then we're not going to have any desire to get in the game. Now, we're not going to be approaching people. It's not natural to be approaching people just helter-skelter. Hey, you, hey, you, hey, you. You want the Lord to lead, and he will lead in this if you meet these eight qualifications. Now, you have to meet them for him to use you. And if you're saying to yourself, you know, I'd love to get involved in this, but nothing ever happens. You know, I'm going about, I'm at work, or I'm in Wegmans, or over at Walmart, or wherever I am, or at home, and nothing ever happens. Weeks go into months, months become years, and... I've never been able to share the gospel with anybody for so long, possibly never. Well, it could be that, that you're missing one of the qualifications. So this is number one, compassion. All right? Um, now, in addition to our natural comings and goings, our approach to soul winning, that is when we're going to speak to someone, has to be natural too. Um, now, uh, for example... When in John chapter 4, Jesus encountered the Samaritan woman at the well. And she was lowering her bucket to get, to get water. So it was very natural. He, he, he noticed that. And it was very natural as she pulled the bucket out for him to say, Drink of that water and you will thirst again. But drink of the water that I give you and you will never thirst. And off he was sharing the gospel with her talking about himself and eternal, the need for eternal life and how that happens. And she wound up going into, in, back into the village and telling everybody, and many people were saved. Um, but that was natural. It was just a natural conversation. And if you're in the game, that is, if you meet the qualifications so that God can use you, uh, one, and one of them is prayer, Praying about, about this. Notice that uh, in verse uh, 38, Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. If you're praying on a daily basis, Lord, lead me to someone and set it up for me. He'll do it. He will do that. Maybe not every time. You know, if, it's, if it doesn't happen today, maybe it'll happen tomorrow. But you're constantly praying about it, and you're looking for him to lead you into a situation that's natural, that's not awkward, where you have to try to stammer and stutter and try to start a conversation, and it, it just doesn't seem to work out uh, and go out of your way. You want something that's natural. This was very natural with the woman in, at the well, just totally natural. Um, now... Um, I, when, when Jesus saw her with the bucket, drawing the water out, and that led him to speak to her about water, uh, I call that a handle. That's, that's something to, to grab onto. That's, that's either happening in the situation, or it could be something somebody says that becomes a handle. Um, let me tell you a, a, a situation that I ran into. Last year, I, I had to go in for a CAT scan. They were looking for cancer. I had a little bit. They got rid of it. But when, when you have a little of it, they, you got to go in for a CAT scan to see if there's any more. They want to know if there's any more. 
And when I got there, uh, the technician brings me a, a, a menu of a choice of flavors for the gook you've got to drink. Uh, anybody ever have a CAT scan and you, you know what that's like? And you've got to drink this gook. And they offer you these flavors, though. Banana, raspberry, strawberry, lemon. Trust me, they're all awful. <laughs> they're terrible. So just pick one, you know. But you have to drink about five of these over the course of like an hour and, and get it down. And the first one's not bad. The second one, yeah. By the time you get to the fifth one, you can hardly choke it down. But anyway, there were, they put you in this little room. To, 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 you sit down and you're working on your, your gook. And there were several others in there with me in this room. And, they're count, and they obviously had cancer of some type. That's why they were there. That's why I was there. And their countenance was just, they were just all worried and concerned about their situation. And that, that's the way I was when I was a lost person. You know, I had no hope of any sort. And, um, and those things worry people, lost people. Well, it didn't bother me. I mean, I'm in the Lord's hands, and it didn't bother me. To be there, so I was. I was happy. I, I was fine. Uh, it was just another day, and I'm going through this process, and I know the Lord is leading that process. So the technician noticed the difference apparently in my countenance and their countenance, and he came in and he sat down right across from me, and he said, "You don't seem to be bothered by this," because he, he sees these people every day. He says, "You don't seem to be bothered by this." Now, you can either be a Christian that's hiding and say something like, well, it's not a problem. You know, I'm here. Or you can take the handle and do something with it because now you're in a natural conversation. He said, it doesn't seem to bother you. And I said, well, I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior over 30 years ago. And since then, I've toasted trust totally in him. My life is in his hands. The word of God says that my very breath is in his hand. So I'm not concerned. See, you can go one way or the other with this, but you can't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, and that's going to be another one of our qualifications. So um, he said, well, I guess you're born and then you die. And there came another handle, two in a row, when he said, I guess you're born and then you die, guess what I thought of? Something else that's more important than either of those has to happen in between there, right? So I was about to start telling him, and, and now this will drive you nuts. You have to get used to this with the Lord. He immediately got up and he went out to go across the hall to check the CAT scan machine to see if it was ready. And I'm going, uh, like this, to do my thing, right? Well, so I'm frustrated now a little bit, but I'm used to this. This has happened before. You know, you, if you're witnessing to somebody at work and you're right at a crucial point and the, and the phone rings and they've got to take the call and, and it's all over with. So, but you did your job. You have to trust in that if that happens. So I'm thinking it's maybe over. Well, he, he, he checked out the, the CAT scan room and he came right back over and he says, okay, we're ready and follow me. So we go over into the CAT scan room and here's another technician preparing the CAT scan table. And then we're, so me and this, this text name was John that I was originally talking with. And me and John are standing there. And um, 
So I said, listen, you said a moment ago that you're born and then you die. But there's a very important event that has to happen between there, and that is you have to be born again. And so I went off, and, I, and he was all ears, and I, and I witnessed to him. Well, guess who else I was witnessing to? The other tech. And that's what God had in mind. So you have to trust him. And, you know, I realized that. He let me, he, he said, you know, I'm, I'm there, duh, you know. And he says, this is it, you know, this is the reason. And, and I woke up to that. But uh, so two of them heard the gospel that day. And um, I've been praying for him ever since. But that's a handle. And you, when it comes, you've got to be willing to grab it. You can't be ashamed of, of the testimony of the Lord, and you've got to grab a hold of it. And it's easy. It was, see how natural that was? It was very natural. And that's what natural evangelism is. Now, something else I want to share with you. I don't always, you know, in my life here, and Patty and my life, my life here, we, all, we don't make trips to, normally to the hospital. But here was a requirement, and whenever God changes the, your course for some reason, changes your routine for some reason, go on high alert, because he's got something for you. And he always does whenever this happens with us. He always does. All right, so you understand what a handle is now. And it's not something that, that, that is awkward. It's just totally natural. All right, now, over the years... Now, I, I said a moment ago, the, not only is, is um, um, presenting the gospel natural, but uh, soul winning has to be a natural thing. Um, and um, over, the, over the years, we've had canned programs here that come in. And, you know, I really appreciate those, you know, like uh, um, evangel EE, Evangelism Explosion. And the... The two banners that you see here that Debbie and Naomi worked so hard on for us was during a, a, a program that was being presented to us called Evantel, that you may recall, some of you. And I really appreciate those, but one of the things about these, these so-called canned programs is that they have to develop a dialogue for you to say to lost people. And they teach it to you, and you're supposed to memorize this dialogue. Well, there's a problem with that in that we are all different. We are all different. And the people we talk to are all different. And God will pair you up with people that, you're, you know, that, that, are, that he wants to pair you up for. When I first got saved, a, a, one, a, a brother told me, God's got a nut for every bolt. <laughs> and I thought, am I the nut or the bolt? You know, so I'll take the nut roll. But um, God has, will pair you up with people he want, that, that you're going to work, be able to work with, personality-wise and everything else. He'll pair you up. But everyone out there is different, and you and I are all different. So a canned approach, is, it, it, you have to do it that way if you're going to present a program, but it just doesn't work. You have to be flexible, and you have to do it the way the Lord leads. And I'll tell you personally... Uh, I've never shared the gospel uh, and have it be exactly the same way every time because the way the other person interacts with you and the questions they may ask will steer you off here and steer you off here to different places in the Word of God. All right, so um, uh, what we're talking about here is uh, with, with, this, um, uh, with, with the canned program idea, 
It reminds me of Saul's armor. You remember when David was about to, 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 to fight to Goliath? And Saul drags out his armor. And he says, here, David, put this on. And you remember David put it on? And he said, oh, this doesn't fit. And he's, oh, no, and he's, he's doing all this. And it's awkward. It just doesn't feel right. It's not the right size. So he takes it off and throws it down, and he picks up his sling, which he was accustomed to using uh, when he was a shepherd out protecting the flock. That was his weapon of choice. And he was obviously good at it because look what he did to Goliath. So you have to do what's natural. You have to do what's natural. And uh, you can't put on Saul's armor. All right? Um, now, uh, if, you're, if you're frustrated over not having opportunities... Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he told Timothy that the believer must be prepared for every good work if he is to be useful to the master. Has to be prepared. So maybe that's the problem. Could be something else, but uh, that's a good place to start. All right, and I mentioned that there were qualifications for pastors, and there are qualifications for pastors and deacons, and uh, there's qualifications for soul winners too, and number one is compassion. Now, in verse 38 of our text, the Lord says, Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Prayer is number two. Number one is compassion. Number two is prayer. If you're really interested in sharing the gospel with people and having the Lord guide you into these natural encounters, you'll be praying about it. So that's, that's qualification number two. All right. Uh, now turn to Matthew chapter 5 with me. Boy, I can read here this morning. You see how nice this is? We built this up, give a little height. Right? Nice touch, huh? That's, right? But perfect. Pastor Ken will appreciate this, too, because we're about the same height. Um, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, the text here is talking about a city being set on a hill so it can be seen. You see, you can't hide. You can't try to hide from the world and, well, they won't understand the gospel and or I'll be persecuted or, you know, or I'm just... I'm just afraid of it all, or I'm ashamed. That's a tough one to admit. I'm just ashamed to do it. Because I want everybody to like me. You know how we have that thing? We want people to like us. They're not all going to like you. We've had some, Patty and I have had some tough experiences where uh, we've really been uh, verbally abused for beginning, to, for beginning to represent the Lord. It doesn't happen a lot. You know, you don't have to worry about it happening a lot, but it'll happen on occasion if you're out there. All right? 
the uh, verse, verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. So you, you're not going to hide. You can't hide. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So, in other words, when you come out of the restroom at work, you stop at the drinking fountain, and the whole gang is around telling dirty jokes. You don't stop and listen and, and act and, sh and demonstrate to them that you're joining in. You just slip right on by. And if, if, you, if you're afraid that they're going to think you're weird, let them think you're weird. Because we're weird. We're odd, right? We are. We're strange to them. Uh, Titus chapter 2 says we're pe peculiar people unto the Lord. That's a good place to be. But it's weird to them. So that's okay. Uh, you know, um, they may think you're a fool. You know, I spent 40 years without the Lord, and I was a fool. So how about, I'd just soon be a fool for Christ. Right? I don't know about you. All right? So qualification number three, not ashamed. Write that down. Number three is not ashamed. So we've got compassion, and we've got prayer, and we're not going to be ashamed. Mark chapter 8, verse 38 says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. You don't want that. You don't want that. After he's, what he's done for us, uh, I know it's hard. You know, we get caught up in that. But after what he's done for us, uh, Pretty tough to get to a point where you're actually ashamed of them. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, Paul says, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. And we don't, you won't have to suffer much. It can happen on occasion, but you know what? You want to let that fall on the Lord's shoulders. He's got huge, broad shoulders. He can, let him take that. And uh, it's not a problem. All right. So number three is not ashamed. All right, turn to Second Corinthians chapter five. Second Corinthians chapter five. Verses seventeen through twenty one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ recon reconciling the word world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So guess what? In the church, we all have different ministries. Everybody's not a teacher. Everybody is not, uh, doesn't have the gift of helps. We all have different gifts. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12 teaches us that God places people in the body as it pleases him. He gives us different gifts. Even uh, two or three people that have the same gift use them differently, it says in that chapter. They're not, they don't use them the same. Uh, I've been a teacher here for over 30 years. Cheryl Smith has been a teacher here for a long time. She teaches with puppets. I'd be lost doing that. I mean, I just, and she's wonderful at it. So, um, 
We're, we're, all, we're all different in that respect, but one thing we have in common with ministry, we are all to be soul winners. We're all to be soul winners. Verse 19, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. It's our, every one of our jobs. Now, some people are more prolific at it than others. You know, that varies. Uh, but uh, we're all to be involved. Um, verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us, pleading with the lost sinner through us. God is pleading with them. You have to get that picture. Here, God is here and he's pleading through us to that lost person. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So you can't be an effective soul winner if you yourself are, are wallowing in sin. You have to be reconciled to God. If you're not walking the way you should walk, you have to be reconciled to God. And certainly you have to be a saved person. Uh, so that's a, that's a good place to start if, if that's the case. Um, Verse 21, for he had made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So number four in our list of eight is willing to make yourself known. An ambassador, we, we touched on this passage in the last we spoke on this subject, and uh, an ambassador, say to Italy, uh, from the United States, goes over there, and there's an embassy that they occupy, and they put the American flag out front so that people know where they are. They identify themselves with the country they're from. Well, we need to identify ourselves with the country we're from. We're from heaven. We're from the country of heaven. And that's why we set up the evangelism table behind the sound booth back here in the fellowship room with those items for you to place on your desk at work or in your home. Uh, you, you know, in your home... Uh, you need to be thinking evangelistically. For instance, the furnace goes on the fritz. And uh, Bill Swan knows a lot about this. And when the furnace man is coming, you want to have your Bible open strategically, hopefully maybe to a red letter page, and just leave it lay there where that furnace man is going to go right by. He'll notice it. He'll see it on his way to the, to the basement stairs, to the door to the basement. You want to be thinking about those things. And maybe God will use it. Maybe he won't. But you know what? Even if the furnace man comes and goes and you think, well, nothing happened there, he probably saw that. And he knows what those red letters mean. Red letters mean, letters mean and you may have done your part in, in leading him to the Lord. Remember uh, what Paul told the Corinthians. Uh, I planted the, uh, Titus planted the seed. I watered it. But what? God gave the increase. So there's always, you know, your opportunity to actually start a witness the first time with someone and actually have them confess Christ right in front of you, that's very, very rare. Very, very rare. Don't lose heart. Do your part. If the phone rings at work and interrupts the you right in the middle, you've done your job. You know, you have to be content in that. Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatsoever situation I find myself. So, um... Uh, Let's see. Um, all right, number four, willing to make yourself known. Let's continue. Uh, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. <coughs> 1 
1 Peter 3, 15 through 17. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if, the will of, if it's the will of God to suffer for doing good than for evil. So there may be a time when you're going to suffer a little bit. But it's better, verse 17, if it's the will of God that that happen. Doing it for good rather than for evil. So there's, there's two, two more qualifications here in this passage. Number five, you must be ready. That is, you must have your arsenal of verses. And hopefully you've got them memorized. I mean, it's difficult... When you're at Wegmans, you're probably not going to have your Bible with you, or you know, you could be in other situations, you're not going to have your Bible with you. And by the way, it doesn't have to be word perfect to whatever translation you're using. It just has to be accurate. It just has to be what it says. And you make it up, you know, you know what it says. Um, and um, if you can memorize them perfectly, that's fine. But um, it doesn't have to be. All right? Uh, so you must be ready. If you're not prepared with what to say to the people that, that, that you encounter, God can't use you. Remember that, that verse I mentioned uh, with Paul told Timothy that, that you must be prepared for every good work for, to be useful to the master. All right. Um, now, that's number five. Number six, since, um, since this text says... Um, Verse 16, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if, it is, uh, if it's the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for evil. So ver number six is be willing to suffer. Be willing to suffer. Now, I like, verse 16 is an interesting thing in it. It says, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers. You know how, um, I think it's in Proverbs, I, I forgot to look it up, but th there will come a time when people c call evil good and good evil. They just switch it right around. And I mean, the time is here, folks. It's here, big time. So um, uh, that's an amazing thing. Okay, must be ready is number five, and willing to suffer is number six. Okay, now you're going to pray for opportunities, right? Pray for God to give you a handle. Ask God to guide your footsteps. But don't ask God to guide your footsteps if you're not willing to move your feet. You know, you've got to be desirous to do this. All right, uh, Turn to John chapter 15, or no, not to John, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Okay, verse 1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. We're not all going to have to wind up being stoned to death like Stephen. That's very rare. It's just not going to happen. And we're not going to suffer anywhere near to the degree that the Lord did. So number seven qualification, no fear of rejection. Number seven is no fear of rejection. In John chapter 15, that vine and branches passage, Jesus said, if they hated me, they'll hate you. They, they, they'll try to be nice about it a lot of times because, you know, they, they just feel that's the right thing to do, but uh, it'll be there. All right, now, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2. Verses 23 through 26. 2 Timothy 2, 23 through 26. Verse 23, But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all men, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive to do his will. Verse 23, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. Verse 24, do not quarrel, but be gentle, apt to teach, be patient. 25, have to have humility. Verse 25, humility. And in that middle of that verse, it says, if God perhaps will grant them repentance. That's, a, that's something you're going to have to come to understand is the saving is done by God. We take the message. He does the saving. Now, you see all those things? Avoid ignorance, uh, foolish and ignorant disputes. They, they generate strife. Don't quarrel. Be gentle. Apt to teach. Patience. Be, hu be humble. So number eight qualification, this is the last one, must have a proper attitude when sharing. A proper attitude when sharing. All right, now I'm going to take you on a journey as we finish up here. It's called A Tale of Three Cities. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 17. Years ago, Patty and I traversed three towns in New York State that led to a witness, to, led to sharing the gospel. And I want to parallel that with Paul's experience in the three cities that he went to. Now, I'm not doing that to compare us in any way with Paul. I mean, our Paul was unbelievable. And the experience he went through was far more traumatic than what we went through. But uh, I want you to, what I want you to see, the reason I'm paralleling our experience with his here, is I want you to see that God still does this today. Still does it today. If you're in the game, you meet the qualifications, and you're ready and willing. And he'll use you. 
All right? A Tale of Three Cities, Acts chapter 17. Are you there? All right. Now, verses 1 through 3, in verses 1 through 3, Paul and Silas arrived in Thessalonica and preached in the synagogue for three Sabbaths, saying, This Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of devout Greeks and many of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. So Paul and Silas arrived in Thessalonica. We arrived in Warsaw, New York, about 15 miles south of, uh, of Leroy. We, we went there to, to check out a couple of new shops to, uh, uh, to see what, what kind of goods they had. And it was just a Saturday, just a, a day off to enjoy. So Paul arrived in Thessalonica, we arrived in Warsaw. Now, verses 5 through 7, But the Jews who were not persuaded became envious and took some evil men from the marketplace and attacked the house of Jason. They dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city and accused them of acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying, There is another king, Jesus. Verses 8 and 9, The crowd and the rulers of the city were troubled about this, so they let them go on bail. So, Paul and Silas ran into difficulty. So did we. Our car began to act up. It began to just cut out. The engine just stopped. And we'd have to coast over to the shoulder of the road. And, and we thought the first time it happened, well, that's it. You know, we're going to we're gonna have to find somebody to help us out here. But we, we thought, well, we'll let it sit a couple of minutes. So we did. And I turned the key and started right up again. So down the road we went another couple miles. And it sh cut out again. Coast over to the side. And, and this was a pattern that went on and on. Our car began to act up. Now, ministering at Berea, verse 10 says in our text that then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea because of all this trouble in Thessalonica. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. All right, so they headed for Berea. As for us, we sputtered our way to Wyoming, New York, which is about seven or eight miles north of, of Warsaw. We, we, want, we were making a beeline to get home. Uh, get, to get up to the throughway, although we didn't know how we'd be doing on the throughway with this, so we're going to try and stay on the secondary roads. All right? Verses 11 through 14. These were more receptive than those in Thessalonica, and they searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so, and many of them believed. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul and Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul to Athens until things cooled off. All right, so Paul and Silas ran into more difficulty. So Paul was persuaded to head for Athens. Meanwhile, for us, our car problems began to worsen. So we headed for Pavilion. I knew there was a Sunoco garage there. And maybe we could get some help, but we had another seven or eight miles to go. All right, verse 16. Now, when Paul waited for the others at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Compassion. You could write it right in there in your Bibles. He had compassion on them. And they were probably fairly affluent also. But he saw the, their spiritual condition. And he had compassion. The city was totally uh, given to idols. Verse 17, therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Now, verse 18 tells us that there were some philosophers that, that addressed him and said uh, what, they wanted to know what this babbler is saying. 
And others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. By the way, the resurrection is the most common thing that is left out of a witness. And is, it is one of the most important things to have in. Because when they, they need to know that they are responsible to a living God. Don't forget to include the resurrection in your, when you prepare. Something about the resurrection. Verse 19, And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, which is Mars Hill, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of what you speak, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. Be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks of you. And occasionally that can happen. What, what is this? I see you reading your Bible at lunch. And you know, I used to have mine open, even if I didn't have time to read it. Even if I had to work through lunch, I'd, I'd leave it open so the people walking by could see it. You have to use some strategy. And that's what those tools are out on the uh, table. That's what they're for. Um, so verse 20, For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. All right, now jump down to verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious, for as I was passing through and considering the object of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. See, they had all these gods, and they had names for them, so they had an altar for all these gods, but in case they missed one, they had one that said to the unknown God. What was that for Paul? What was it? A handle. He grabbed right onto it. And God will do that for you. All right? Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you, and he preached Christ crucified. Now skip down to 31. He has given us assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. There's the resurrection. And when, verse 32, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, We will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them, and many believed. So, Paul had arrived at the destination that God wanted by a series of events. He got steered out of the course that he was probably planning to have which is what happened to me when I had to go for my CAT scan. And that's what, hap what happened to us with our sputtering car. We got steered off course. And you go on high alert when that happens. So Paul had arrived at the destination God wanted, which was Athens, and he discovered the handle when he was there that God had provided, and he shared the gospel. On our part, we came sputtering into pavilion. We had had to pull over probably 15 times and let the car rest, but it always started up again, and the Lord allowed us to get a couple more miles. So we sputtered right up in front of that Sunoco garage, and clunk, it just shut off. Now, we walked inside, and my plan was get some, I figured it was moisture in the, in the gas tank. I wanted to get some, ga some dry gas. So we walk in there, and we walk through the door, and on the left is the counter, and here's the owner of the place, right behind the counter. And right to the right, so we turned to face him, and right to the right, here's this track laying on the, on the counter. Guess what that is? A handle. It's laying on there. So we wondered if he was a Christian. So we said to him, how'd this get here? 
And he said, oh, the local preacher was by, and he was talking to me, religion to me, and he left that there. I said, so we said, did you read it? And we shared the gospel with him. So that was our handle, and so we wound up basically in the same pattern, the same situation that Paul wound up in here. It still happens today. Guess what? They had no dry gas. Okay, fun. So we got done and we walked out. We got back in the car, started it up. Never had the problem again. Ever. We had that car for another three years. Never had the problem. Did you know God can reach down in, in, under your hood and mess with the engine? Did you know that? Yeah. We had another situation on the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Car trouble resulted in the same thing by a series of events, and it's too long to tell you now. We, we're, we're running over time. But the Lord messed up our car to, to steer us in the direction he wanted us to go. All right. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul says, Brethren, join in following my example. Look at me and follow what I do. And that's what you want to do. That's what we all need to do. All right, all eight qualifications for you to look at. And if you didn't get a chance to get them all, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a copy of this. So, if you're having trouble with opportunities, make sure you meet these qualifications, and you'll be all set, and God will be able to use you. And you'll, it's a thrill, I'll tell you. It really is a thrill when he does that. I mean... We were buzzing for days after some of these experiences. Closing verse is Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. Proverbs 11:30: The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Forgot to pray when we started, but we're going to do it right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunities that are available to us, to us if we'll prepare and get ready. And Lord, um, Paul told the Thessalonians that um, as we near the end, there'll come a falling away. And Father, I pray that wouldn't be any of us. We don't want to be among those who fall away from the faith. And Father, we know you have souls that still need to be saved. And we pray that you might use us in your harvest to do the job. Lord, we just um, pray now as we uh, continue in the service that you be with us and and continue to challenge us concerning this topic, and we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.